Welcome back, everybody, to the Deeper Than Sunday podcast. This podcast exists to be an extension of Grace Church San Diego's teaching on Sunday. And we had a wonderful teaching on Sunday from Josh, but he deserted us and went on vacation. He's gone. He's gone. Uh, don't know if he's ever going to come back. So we'll pray about <laughs> it. We'll see. We'll pray. Yeah, we need to pray about that. So, um, what we decided to do since the pastor is not here, the teacher. We are going to revisit our favorite topic as of late, and that is women in ministry. So um, the reason we're doing it is we just heard that there was a lot of conversations going on that got brought up in house church. And um, I just, it's such a, a topic that like in every church that it's just this or that, this or that, and there's people on both sides. So we just wanted to dedicate a little more time to the conversation and then hopefully move forward in mutual submission to one another. Does that sound good? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you guys have no idea who's on the podcast yet. So let me introduce a new member to the podcast, Elizabeth Brush, as you know her, Liz. Liz, uh, for people who don't know your role at the church, they see you on stage a lot. Uh, can you fill them in? Who are you and what do you do here? Yes, my name's Liz. I'm officially the communications director and I've been on staff about six months. What, what would you say is the communication director's job? Like, what do you do? Like, just updating websites? What, what's your oh, main role? Oh, websites, um, communicating internally, externally, social media. But I also get to do some fun stuff, like sit in on preaching team meeting and creative meeting and help make some decisions and keep the church running. We will <laughs> revisit that later. That's wonderful that you... She also helps keeps us in line because we can get... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like we've heard that Julie kind of runs the church. If Julie's not there, Liz runs the church, right? Uh, I don't know about that. And then uh, our theological expert of the day, one of the elders at our church and pastor, who are you? This is Scott, one of the pastors at church. I'm the executive pastor here at Grace. Awesome. So we are going to get deep into this topic, but first we're going to play the theme song. So we're here and we're talking about women in ministry. Um, just to kind of catch people up on terms, complementarianists versus egalitarianists. I hate putting the word versus in there, but that's kind of what we're doing here, I guess. Uh, complementarian would say, Scott, define complementarian for yeah, us. Yeah, complementarian is the view that men and women complement one another. That's where the term comes from, um, but have... Um, are uh, equal in um, their their value and their worth. Obviously, there's dignity, um, but have different roles in the home and in the church. and And God has given them by design different uh, roles, basically, Great. versus egalitarian. Yeah, and then if you're like me, and sometimes you get them mixed up, I say egal is like equal. That's how I. It's like that's what the root word is. So yeah. egalitarian would say. Men and women equal across the board. They can do. And the roles are inter interchangeable. Yeah. Stay that. at home dad, female elder, like all that stuff is on the table for sure. egalitarian. Um, okay, cool. So let's just get right into it. One phrase that we've heard throughout the podcast as we've been going through Acts is narrative is not normative. And so what that means and what we've defined that as is there is a story in the Old Test New Testament and that is just a story. It's a narrative. It's not something to be prescribed onto the entire church 
for the rest of time, right? So we say that a lot, but then um, in this specific narrative in First Timothy 2 and 3, uh, Paul is writing to one church and telling them um, women should not preach, should not hold authority over man, uh, and then it gives the qualifications for elders. And so we say at our church, since we're complementarian, that that is normative. So I guess my question is, how did we come to that conclusion that it is normative? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, first, so I kind of want to zoom out to zoom into the question. And the zoom out by, by what I mean is um, how you, grace, it's typically grace people who are listening to this podcast. We as a church and as grace elders and leaders of the church leadership team, uh, we believe that scripture has authority over our lives as Christians. And so I, I kind of want to set that precedence in, in, and in contrast to that, um, culture does not have that same authority. Our emotions don't have that same authority. So what does that mean? That means that we have to look at the scriptures and say, in the best way we can interpret them, that is uh, what we go off. That's the, the foundation that we stand on. We don't bend to where culture is going. Um, it is very clear in Genesis that God created two genders. Um, I don't, yeah, maybe I do mean to bring up another hot topic. Go but, ahead, bring it up. But, um, you know, our culture says, no, there's many, many genders. Um, no, there's not. Uh, and, and so I, I say that as part of the leadership team to say, uh, God in Genesis created male and female, and it is beautiful. It's good. They complement one another. Um, and uh, that is the basis to which we look at this, these type of subjects. Mm -hmm. And so where culture says there is a, um, a term called trajectory hermeneutic, which means when you look at scripture, you say, oh, Jesus was going in this direction. And then now culture has taken it further. So let's follow culture and taking it further because he was heading in that direction. Anyway, mm -hmm. that is a very dangerous uh, way to go. We, we don't look at that. Because we only have this Bible. It's closed. Nothing added to it. Absolutely. So what Jesus and Paul and the other writers said back then still applies when and only when, when we decide that it's normative. Uh, yes, but I believe in, and here's the point I was getting to, okay. uh, the struggle is interpreting scripture. That's why I'm saying all this. Yeah. And you and I can look at a verse and we can interpret that separately and differently. And, um, and that's okay. It, Grace church. It's okay. If we disagree, we can still be in community and, and that there's a very beautiful and powerful thing when we come together and we look at things differently, but we still have unity in the body. That is like the power of, of God and his kingdom. Um, but I do think that scripture helps us interpret scripture. Mm -hmm. And so I, I wanted to land there and then yeah. get to your question. Right. And cool. so, um, what you're referring to is first Timothy two, where it's saying, um, women to be quiet. Is it, isn't that what you were mentioning? Yeah. Sorry. Here, I'll just read it. So two eleven, a woman should learn yeah. in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over man. She must be quiet. And then for Adam was formed first, then Eve. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So when you stop there, okay. So um, we are saying what's narrative isn't always normative. Uh, that is true. It's still true when you look at this. However, there's a verse in here that is very, very important when you do not trajectory hermeneutics, but proper biblical hermeneutics. Verse 13 says what? Do you have it? Yep. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. Okay. 
I would say if that verse wasn't in there, I would have a problem with my stance as a soft complementarian. You hear a lot hmm. of complementarians say that, that 2.13 is the verse that they hold on to. So uh, in another verse, um, I think in two as well, it, it talks about women's hair. It talks about head coverings and Before. other verses. Yeah. yeah. And so there's, there's cultural implications there that are like, oh, Paul's addressing culture. Paul's addressing culture. Uh, I would say that was true. But 13 has a problem with that argument. Mm -hmm. 13 points back to Genesis to the original design of man. And so Adam was formed first, then Eve is a clause in the scripture in those verses that says there's a design implication here that we have to look through when we're looking at this argument. Mm -hmm. So we have to look at the argument through the lens of God's design and how he has formed male and female as the two genders he created. Yeah. So there's so then this is the egalitarian pushback to that is that, um, yes, Adam was made first, but um, David was made last and but what David uh -huh. David was last he was the youngest brother mm -hmm. so many other brother two brother scenarios in the Old Testament the older brother is the more important one that that sends the line so then my question is like it doesn't matter if we look at scripture as a whole as the Old Testament it doesn't matter who's first because God uses the second to lead in almost every other case Except for Adam. Yeah. I, it's a, in my opinion, a flawed argument. Okay. Um, yes. You, like, good point. Uh, look at the whole library ja Jacob of scriptures. And Jacob was younger, right? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like you have numerous, numerous yeah. instances where there's a younger brother and, and things happen and blah, blah, blah. Um, look at Ephesians 5. Uh, why is it that Paul talks about man being ahead of the household? There's a, there's a design element there. Mm -hmm. And so this verse, verse 13, is pointing back to the original argument, or, or not even argument, but the original position of the way God designed man and woman. So yeah, it was he was formed first. That It's the point, it's not the point. The point is that uh, Adam was created for a specific time and purpose and, and, and function in the world, and then Eve was, was added and, and created to be one with, with Adam. And so uh, you go all the way to Ephesians 5 where um, man, is supposed to be head of the household mm -hmm. and what does that mean and we're you know we're not talking fully about that but we can dig into that type of stuff and there's there's a design in the home and there's a, a design that transfers over to the church and yeah. so you have to look at the whole and not you know sure proper hermeneutics looks at the library of scriptures and the themes amongst it Great. I would I would add one little thing to that and correct me if I'm wrong Scott because I'm definitely not that the expert on the podcast but a lot of those role reversals of like the second son getting the blessing and things like that, that was all after the fall. Mm. And so things were different after the fall. I Great think point. the original intent of things we see in Genesis one and two and so on yeah. before the fall. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. That's a good point. Good, I mean, point. there was disorder uh, after Genesis three, the yeah. fall, uh, even in the home. Um, yeah. And so there there's design and then there's um, the unraveling of God's design post fall. Okay. Cool. Um, all right. So let's go. Yeah. The, so I don't know. Does that answer the, I mean, narrative and normative, you have to yeah. do a, a good um, exegetical study in scripture. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I pointed to verse 13 in, in first Timothy two, because it's, it's, 
it's going back and pointing to the original design and you have to look at all of all of those verses to say what is it truly saying here um and and so our term narrative isn't normative like we were saying that in the book in the beginning of the book of acts because of the way the the kingdom of god was moving the healings and the miracles that was happening yeah we just don't see that you know truth um i'm talking this sunday uh, i'm talking about a little bit about truth and lies and 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 a new little mini series that we're doing um but truth is that which corresponds with reality and so what's not reality today is these miracles and things so that's where we use the term as narrative isn't always normative if that makes sense yeah okay I mean, I can buy that. Uh, again, it's like you, you, the complementarians look at 213, egalitarians look at the other women who are listed as, yeah. as leaders, right? Yep. And so it's like you can almost just pick. Like, wh- what do you feel called to? And yeah, like I've said, I'm an egalitarian. There's plenty of people that have emailed me that are, but the church is complementarian and we're going to live in community. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's let's uh, kind of jump to that now. Okay. Um, we can come back to more uh, theological, scripture-based questions. But uh, Liz, you're here. Yeah. And <laughs> you are um, you are not the communications pastor because you're a woman, but you are communications director. So that's another uh, common thing that I hear a lot is. Okay, well, we're complementarians, so we're not going to call them pastors, or they're not going to be called elders, but they are going to be leaders and get the title of director. Do you see? A, do you feel a ickiness with that, or a problem with that, or how do you kind of live into that? As since it's your job. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I don't, I don't see the word pastors interchangeable with leader. I feel like it's a very specific role. I feel like um, our pastors have educated the church that they really see that role as elder and pastor as one and the same. And it's very specific. I mean, the Bible, we, we studied it in Acts, and um, there's a lot of qualifications. So I, when I was invited onto the team, I was never under the impression I was being invited into any sort of pastoral or elder role. Um, I certainly feel like I have some authority in my position to do the things that need to get done um, for the church, but I've never been under the impression that I was going to be in a pastoral role <laughs> where I was taking that kind of biblical authority that yeah. it describes. Yeah. So for me, it was not an issue at all. Very good. Um, let's, if you don't mind, just talk personally about the complementarian stance. You are a complementarian, but as a woman in today's society, I'm sure there has to have had to have been like a man, it doesn't feel right. Like if culture is saying women are equal and we can, you know, get same job, same wage, you know, all these things that you, we have heard in the past few decades of women are just as relevant and important as men and can do everything that men can do in the world. But then you put on your church pants and it's not like that. Did that ever, was that ever difficult for you or kind of spill the beans here, Liz? That's a good question, Jeff. Well, here's the interesting thing. Um, I am a strong personality, I would say. You could ask my husband. I I am not a, uh, I'm not sure I'm I'm what people would describe as a soft, quiet, submissive woman. So let's start with that. (laughs) Um, And... 
I have been in a lot of leadership positions in my career. Um, and just even as a child growing up, my parents just told me I was, I was a pain in the neck. I was always sitting down the guests and trying to preach them the gospel. (laughs) And, and so that role, that's my personality. Um, so I suppose when you say, well, a woman can't do this or that, um, I think, well, shoot, I could, I could run that system. I could do this or that. But what's where I draw the line is I don't believe, I think a lot of women hear the word equal and to them that means interchangeable. Mm. And they think I want to be able to do every single thing a man can do. And I don't feel that way. I don't want that to be the case. Mm -hmm. I don't, I think men and women are different. I think God designed it that way. Um, and in times where I have maybe even tried to reverse that role a little bit and you know, my husband and I, many people in the church know Lee, he's an amazing husband. Um, there's been sources of tension in our marriage because I am a little more outspoken or more, (laughs) I don't know, Mm -hmm. you know, than maybe the average woman. And, but I feel that like, I feel, I feel it when it goes out of God's design and I, and we don't, even in instances where maybe I wanted to be right about something, I can see that God's design is better than mine. (laughs) If that makes sense. Yeah. I, I wanted to, that's, I love that. First of all, I have a little bit of a funny story. Uh, Cause when you describe yourself like that, my wife has probably one of the strongest personalities as a woman that I've ever met. And <laughs> yeah. I married her. Um, <laughs> if you know, I can brag about her. I mean, she is a go getter. She's a career woman, um, owns two businesses plus works at San Diego state. Like she's crazy. Um, I married up for sure. Uh, I think there's a big misconception. Oh, the funny story. Here's yeah. the funny story. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know that a lot of people know how I met, I met my wife. I met her online, which I do not suggest. Which is <laughs> normal now, but back then. Back then, it was not normal. Long story. Don't judge me. I don't care if you do. Uh, whatever. We met online. But this, I'll never forget this. On her, she, I think it was like a called a ping or a poke where you could poke something. One oh, of those. Okay, yeah. And she did that to me and I read her profile and I was bored and beyond like, this is dumb. I hate online things. And on her profile, it said, if you're looking for a submissive <laughs> Proverbs woman, you need to keep on looking. And That's I'm like, great. ooh, I like her. I really, really like, I like the attitude. I think I need to go um, to coffee. Yeah, so I just wanted I just wanted to throw that out there. It's a funny story. My, That's great. Liz's description of herself reminded me of, of that in my wife. Um, but I think there's a misconception. I, there's two things we have to look at and consider when we look at the scriptures about this issue there's spiritual gifts and there's the offices within a church uh what do we do with spiritual gifts who does that apply to what do we do with the with the offices within a church and who does that apply to those are two separate things and so if we put those things together we what we the misconception we make in my semi-humble opinion is that we think it's discrimination or we think it's like women are getting less than Mm. i I think culture has drived us in that direction Mm -hmm. of like um you know women can't be pastors or elders oh my gosh that's discrimination what do you mean the spiritual gifts apply to both genders Mm. the only two genders male and female i'm sorry which are sometimes misassigned at birth right Will you admit oh, that? Oh, my lord. One in 3,000? Um, 
no. Uh, mm. Okay. I'm not saying that a four-year-old can pick their gender. I'm saying Different topic. sometimes it's, we are not medical doctors. We cannot make that claim. No, but I do We're, study psychology uh-huh. at a major university. Okay. And there are, um, there, there is evidence and there are, um, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Uh, there's been Examples. studies, yeah. you know, there, there are studies about that topic. And uh-huh. so I, I do have a lot to say on that. Okay. Wrong subject. We don't but, need to talk about yeah, yeah. transgender. Tune in next no. week for yeah. the next yeah. podcast. There's a spectrum of those type of qualities sure. and things and sure. there's studies of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um, and so, um, when if we look at scripture, <laughs> sorry, I was going to say, if any listeners right now feel like they're the wrong gender, don't oh, <laughs> go talk Lord. to a doctor, please. Not <laughs> us. We're, I, we're not medical doctors, so we can't say absolutely. That. We you, absolutely cannot absolutely, say yes. whether or not there are misassignments at birth. Okay. We can't. Yeah. So, hard stuff. We live in I a fallen yeah, world. Yeah. yeah. Ephesians 4 uh, talks about <laughs> spiritual gifts. Yeah, exactly. Paul, a fallen world. Of course, that, can, that kind of thing can happen in a fallen world. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, go ahead. We, yeah. Um, uh, Ephesians 4 talks about spiritual gifts. Paul, Paul lays out um, spiritual gifts. It's the reason we use what's called apest here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the spiritual gifts are uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, or pastor are interchangeable in that S. And then teacher uh, is the last one. Yeah. Um, those gifts apply to both genders. We see that throughout the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, to be honest with you, it is, it is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing to see uh, to see Liz empowered in her spiritual giftings at church as a church leader. She's a church leader. So are uh, so is Sierra, so is Alyssa, so is um, Julie, you know, we're church leaders together and we have spiritual giftings. Now, my wife has different giftings than I do. So, for example, she is a spreadsheet nerd. Um, she's very detail oriented. I am not. She is very, very gifted. So one man, a man might come up to me and say, what do you mean? You don't, um, dictate all the financial stuff. I go, no, she's better. She's better. She lays that out in a bill spreadsheet and I look at it and my eyes gloss over. Yeah. So I'm like, that's a gifting there Mm -hmm. that I, I'm like, okay. But as a, as a husband and as a father, um, the gospel is shared through me. Uh, I help guide, you know, the kind of uh, the three G's that we uh, applied to the elders when we did the elder installation. Uh, guide, guard, and what am I missing? Govern. 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 Um, that, that's my role in the home. And yeah. so I'm kind of going off on a tangent just to say that there's spiritual giftings and those um, that a pest apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher apply to all genders. And we want to empower women in their spiritual giftings. Let's not confuse that with office and mm-hmm. office in the church. Yeah. And so first Tim- Timothy three points to the qualifications as elders. Uh, the word is overseers. Um, the word and here's where it gets sticky. There's three offices, deacon, uh, apostle. I'm sorry, a deacon, uh, elder and pastor. Yeah. But there's really two biblically. Mm-hmm. There's deacon and elder. That's why Pastor Josh, he didn't give a third week and third sermon on the role of a pastor. Why? Because elder and pastor biblically um, do the study in the the New Testament is the same role. Pastor was used as a verb. You are shepherding. You are pastoring people. Whose job was it to do that? The elders. Mm -hmm. And the qualifications are man of a woman and blah, 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 blah. Okay. Does that make sense, though? It totally does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Um, Let's get back into the... Uh, scripture here because I think this is another point that gets brought up. We said earlier that 2.13, that's the part 
that says definitely men are meant to lead, not women. But, well, it points to the design yeah. of how God created it. Yes. Right. It points to the design. Yeah. But then three, I'll, let me just read it so we're on the same page here. Here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer slash we're calling that uh, elder, elder, right? Yeah. Overseer, elder, desires a noble task. Now, the o- overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, Temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given a drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his home and family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner full, uh, worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he manage God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall into the same judgment as the devil, he must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. So those are the qualifications, but the, correct me if I'm wrong. The, uh, complementarian does not get that. It can't be a woman from that section. They get it from two thirteen. Correct. Uh, no, it's both. Okay. Yeah. How do you, how do how then do you the say husband of one wife? Right. Yeah. But it says that for Deacon too. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I know, and that's a sticky argument within the church body. Yeah. Uh, however, so you, when we look at it, we look at Paul's, um, descriptions of both elders and deacons and then his descriptions of how he is lifting up women in leadership. So for example, um, there are, when you look at these verses, all of them, I mean, uh, I'm going to forget. I'm, I'm the worst. I have the worst memory, by First the way. Corinthians. No, I'm thinking like Romans 16 is oh, okay. Junia. And he, he says Junia is known amongst the apostles. Well, yeah. Okay. So what do you do with that? Yeah. Um, you have, um, I want to get to Phoebe, which is Acts 16. I hope I'm right. Cause I have a horrible memory. I think it's <laughs> Acts 16, Phoebe, Phoebe's a deacon. Uh-huh. And yet Phoebe is a, uh, is a teacher. Uh, so how can Phoebe be a deacon yet in another part of scripture, a Paul, part of Paul's writings, he says that, uh, deacons are meant for males, husband and one wife, like how, and so the church churches in general kind of go back and forth and people land in different places because of that. So you have very, very conservative complementarians and you have very, very, I don't want to say liberal because I, I don't mean it centered. That way. Yeah, yeah. Back yeah. to the center. egalitarian. Well, on the other end of the spectrum. Oh, sure, sure. And I'm just saying there's, there's a scale and a spectrum there. And so it depends on where you land with that. So <clears throat> I don't, I believe that because Paul is, uh, you never see Paul looking, um, acknowledging and honoring a woman in eldership as an overseer, you do see him honoring Phoebe as a deacon. Okay. Um, and so we, we think, so then we, then you can't use the husband of one wife thing to be a woman because it says that as a deacon and there's a woman deacon, right? No. Well, what I'm saying is because it acknowledges a woman as a deacon, I I do think you can use this in first Timothy three as a husband of one wife. And then the rest of, the rest of the descriptions or the explanations in the verses support that argument, support that a husband and one wife yeah. uh, keeping being, uh, you know, keeping his house in, in order and his children in submiss- submission and, yeah. and so forth. Okay. We'll get to the children in the house thing later, but 
Um, the egalitarian, since that's why I'm here, would say husband and one wife is an, idi- is an idiom. It just mm-hmm. means um, an idiom for monogamous. You're a monogamous person. And you would say, okay, well, Jesus would say men don't uh, seek after another woman's or another man's wife. That doesn't leave women off the hook only because he said, man, don't do this. Like it's an idiom. So you can't take the male sure. part out of the idiom. Then you have double meaning, which it just doesn't work that on top of the fact that we're okay with women deacons that just see that verse just has to be thrown out. It, it can't, no, I it don't, can't well, be, I don't think you have, you can throw it out. You have to put them all together with okay. God's design. Yeah. And so if, if God's design truly, and that if you don't believe that that's God's design, then sure. Mm-hmm. You throw, throw this out. And well, I'm just saying it doesn't prove that it has to be a man. No, but that's why man. hermeneutics says you have to put the scriptures together. Okay. You, you can't separate them and isolate them. Okay. So you e- have to put them so together. So just to clarify, you're saying, even though it says, uh, must be a husband of one wife in both, since there is a female deacon, the female deacons are allowed. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's it's hard, but yes, I do. It just doesn't make any sense. It's not hard. It's just it, bad logic. It does when you look at it, it, God's design is clearly that the man was created first. Um, Ephesians 5 points to man being the sure. the leader of the home. Sure. And then clearly the man throughout multiple verses that even we were discussing, um, man is in charge uh, or is meant to be an overseer and totally. elder. Um, the deacon part is hard for me. Uh-huh. Um, and that's why I egalitarian arguments. There's some good, there's some good arguments yeah. there. And so that's hard. Well, Where because, are you land okay. On? So if you go down that path, uh, Oh, since there's a deacon, female deacon, there are f- females acting or doing elder type things also in the Bible that we ignore. Well, again, there's offices and there's gifts. Yeah. And so the, the gifts of what, uh, every elder has a different gifting, like mm-hmm. our new elders, we're learning what their giftings yeah. are. Um, and then there's women who have amazing gifts and how do we empower both male and female yeah. to utilize the gifts, but the office is separate from the gift. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? No, I, yeah, I understand. I just think an egalitarian again would say there are people being in the office of overseer that are women in the Bible. And then complimentarians Where? would say, no, um, the judge, I feel like at that point and Deborah in the old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. Deborah, the judge. Yeah. That um, was pre. And then the yeah. well liked among the, the apostles thing. That's kind of in the egalitarian side for me. Like there's just yeah. a few others. So I'm totally fine throwing out the idiom. I don't think it is specific to being a man in, in chapter three. Mm-hmm. I just think it's an idiom that says, do if you're you, going to be an elder or a deacon, you should be monogamous. Yeah. And that's just the phrase that they used. It, because, so you see this as you have to be monogamous. Monogamous. So don't sleep with other women. Don't don't sleep with other men. Yeah, it's inherent that he's talking to men and women. But since it's a male-dominated culture, he's just going to say husband of one wife. So instead of husband okay. of one wife and wife of one husband. How do you bring that together with Paul's argument in Ephesians five of of male leadership in the home? So I, I am a complementarian in the home, for sure. You're what? I'm complementarian at the house. But not in the at, church. But not at the church. Yeah. Interesting. Because, and the, the number one reason is there are other women leaders listed in the Bible. It just comes down to that. Hmm. And so then I teeter on 2, 13 or 14, whatever it was. What about Priscilla and Aquila, who co-led mm-hmm. their house church? Um, I, I mean, egalitarians use that 
So let me let me turn your argument against your okay, against let's do you. it. I'm excited. Um, if you're complementarian in the home, Priscilla and Aquila were co-leaders in their in their home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how do you? But aren't they being referred to as a house church? They're like in the church they office were. role there. Uh, well, she's listed first, and so she would be the elder of the tr- house church. The man would be the leader of the home. That's how I would see. Interesting. Those two. I mean, it, do you think? So to me, you're taking a little liberty there in assuming that she is, uh, she is being an elder in the home or, mm-hmm. you know, but he, but where, where does it say that he is the head of the household? It doesn't really, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just feel like the scripture is <clears throat> talking about church things. Mm-hmm. Like it's writing to a church. Mm-hmm. So when she's listed first, I think, well, yeah, she's going to be listed first cause she's doing most of the leading in the church. It's not even talking about the household. If it were, then I think he would been, would have been listed first. Interesting. But I think that gets us to, to another point. So let's bring Liz back in the fold and let's have a fun yeah. conversation. Um, I'm not talking, I want to be clear, I am not talking Republican and Democrat yeah. when I say conservative and uh, progressive. I'll say progressive. liberal since it's, I'm not going... I like progressive better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I'll say progressive. Okay. Progressive, conservative. <laughs> yeah. There are topics, for whatever reason, it feels like you could run a line down the sand, and if you are um, pro-choice, egalitarian, um, affirming, those would be progressive sides. Pro-life, complementarian, non-affirming would be um, conservative. Why do we get... Why, why does it seem like there are a certain type of thing that falls into one camp and there's a certain type of thing that falls into the other camp and you kind of have to stay in that camp? Like for me, yeah. I believe in the traditional uh, uh, sexual ethic of the Bible. One man, one woman, homosexuality, I do believe is a sin. But I also... The behavior, not the attraction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. But I, but I am also an egalitarian, which I think in the world would be, they'd be like, what that that doesn't like those seem opposed to, to one it, it kind of yeah. seems like it's opposed um but it's not it at all in my like i'm just reading the bible why do we why is it that we just feel it feels like we get in our camps and don't ever cross lines liz do you see that do you, do you feel like you are you always identify with the conservative take on an issue or are there ever any progressive takes you're like actually i do fall in line with that or are you kind of straight ticket if you no, will. I mean, I def- there's definitely some issues I feel people would label me more liberal or conservative on. But um, I don't really have a problem with that. I don't. <laughs> those are social constructs. It's a um, good, yeah, it's a good thing. That's what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah. To me, it's read the Bible and do our best to interpret what God is calling us to do and to obey. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that the Genesis story provides... N- 90% of that clarity mm-hmm. on a lot of the issues that are maybe, shall we say, popular today. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with Liz. Um, we have to remember that <clears throat> to us as Christians, this is a secondary issue. Uh, a lot of, well, s- some are, um, you can argue, are not, right? Like when it comes to um, the Imago Dei, the image of God and image bearers and blah, blah, blah. But I'm talking about the, the gospel is a primary issue. Mm-hmm. If we can unite around the gospel, issues like this can be secondary, and, sh- and in my opinion, should be secondary. We can disagree mm-hmm. and be in unity because the gospel and the mission of God is 
center. We're centered around that. We orbit around that. Um, and so I, I agree. So, uh, to your point, um, it's funny because I get a lot of look, looks or opinions on my, because of the way I look that they think I'm very progressive. Um, but you're also wearing a camo hat. So you're tempering that with your tattoos. That's a good point. Is tattoos progressive or conservative? I don't know. Progressive probably. You think? I mean, yeah. I yeah. mean, if you're a legalist and think that tattoos are <laughs> sin, um, then okay, let's have that argument and, uh, you'll be wrong. But, yeah. um, yeah, I think that, uh, I'm probably, you could say it's, um, a lot of my opinions on certain issues are conservative. I look at them as biblical. I don't, yeah. I don't, I hate that. If someone says you're conservative Scott or you're progressive Scott or you're, I hate those titles. Yeah. Uh, I really, really do. I want to be grounded in and rooted in scripture and God's truth. Mm-hmm. And that is the, um, the, where I look to, um, as an American, we look at the constitution, but right. way above. And as a priority, I look at scripture as the authority over mm-hmm. my life. Yeah. It just struck me that since, uh, Christianity is based on a book or a set of books that is closed, there's no new thing. It, it kind of attracts the, um, conservatist type mind rather than a progressive where a progressive would say that was great then what's next what do how how are we progressing progressing how are we changing to be better in the future where the bible is locked in jesus knew the right way and it's just locked in uh yeah yeah, and that just kind of well it's tough you know the pastor andy stanley yes he got a lot of heat a few years ago i think four or five years ago um where a lot of I'll quote conservatives say that he ventured away from scripture. He made it, he was trying to make a point and I get it. I think he was a little flawed in his approach, but um, he, he said this, our faith isn't based on a book. It's based on a person and an event, Jesus and the resurrection. That statement I strongly agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, take the whole scriptures. And if Jesus isn't who he is, and if he didn't resurrect from death, and become the savior of the world, forget it all. Like we're all doing a weird thing. <laughs> like, you yeah, know? yeah. Um, so when, yes, our, we, but, uh, so it's based on that. That's what our faith, if your faith isn't based on Jesus, who he was as the son of the living God and his resurrection, his death, burial, and resurrection, then, um, I, I mean, if you're chasing a book, then okay, you're chasing a book. You should be chasing a person. Yeah. The, uh, the book is divinely inspired to say, um, here is your theology of, of living and of thinking and of breathing and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, your Christianity. Yeah. So. And I, I would also, I mean, I, I get frustrated when I hear that argument about the Bible's not progressive, it's closed, it's ancient, it's, mm-hmm. and I, I just, my argument to that is like, it's timeless. God is timeless. He's removed from time. He chose yeah. the perfect time to reveal the things he did. And those things are timeless. Um, and I think they're still true today, no matter what culture says. I, I would, I mean, you know, culture is going a completely different direction with roles that women should have and role reversals of men and women. And, mm-hmm. but I would, I would challenge women with that and just say like, deep down, what do you actually want? Like I'm a strong woman, but at the end of the day, I still want a man who's stronger than me. <laughs> and yeah. I'm not sure that's something most women are ready to get out there and say, mm-hmm. but deep down in your bones, don't you really want someone who will protect you, who will, you know, give their life for you, who will do what, what Jesus called men to do. Yeah. Um, and I think, 
I think society is setting men and women up to slowly, progressively get rid of those roles. But I, mm-hmm. that scares me. I was reading something by C.S. Lewis one time. This may be a bad uh, right. metaphor, but um, he was saying, you know, if if two, if a man and a woman are dancing at a ball, this back in the days where people actually danced and it was like nice and not offensive <laughs> <laughs> or whatever, but, um, but a man and a woman were dancing at a ball. And he said, if, if, if the man's having trouble leading and he has two left feet, should he just say to the woman, go ahead and lead uh-huh. or should he go take dance lessons? Yeah. And for me, I was like, Yes, like I still want the man to lead. It may not be perfect and I may be trying to lead when I shouldn't or here and there, but at the end of the day, I still want a man who will go take dance lessons and get better at leading if that's not his natural uh, inclination because God designed it that way. And I would also take it a step further and say, um, you just can't get around that. Like God could have done anything he wanted. He could have created man and then given him another helper that was a man, but he didn't. Mm -hmm. He could have created Adam and left him solo. Mm -hmm. Um, He didn't have to create Adam at all. But throughout the Bible, he refers to himself in the masculine. He is a father. He, you know, Jesus is a son. He is um, a man. And that all is, is setting up the way that the church relates to him. And so I just, it, the minute you pull on that thread, mm-hmm. <laughs> to me, the entire Bible unravels. Um, and so I think it's very dangerous to me when people start going down that road of like, oh, women, men, they're interchangeable. No, they're not. They're mm-hmm. different. They're made different. They look different. They have different hormones. <laughs> like they're just different. Yeah, exactly. And it's not a bad thing. Um, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot I could say. Go ahead. <laughs> um it's funny. My wife and I have this conversation because, again, she's a strong personality, strong woman. She's from Jersey. I'm from California. I'm laid back. She's not. And um, and in good ways, right? Like, granted, we get in arguments about things, and, and it's sometimes it's rude in that. But at the end of the day, you'll hear, hear her say, listen, if someone breaks in the house, it's your job, buddy. <laughs> you go deal with it. That's I right. don't want that role. Or um, to kill a spider. To kill a spider. Uh, <laughs> I did kill a tarantula behind her back one day. Oh, literally nice. crawling in, uh, behind her head on the wall. Oh, my gosh. And I killed it with my fist, and I was instantly grossed out, but oh, I did yeah. it. <laughs> did she know it was there? No. I oh said, my hey, God. move That would have been the enemy. You can't do that because she'll freak out. Yeah. So she's like, Same. hey, babe, move over real quick. And I literally hammer fisted that thing. <laughs> you touched it? Oh I hit my head right here with my left hand. I went, boom. That's now that's awful. protecting. Yeah. I had to do it. Yeah, I was grossed out, though, because then I had the remnants of a dead spider on my fist. Yeah. That was gross. Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, so and one thing that we were talking about earlier. Um, so here's another argument. If you were to uh, overlay the complementarian viewpoint of how the church works, just in the world in general, it would be illegal. Like, you would get fines and the businesses would close. Like, so we are specifically talking about women and men's role inside the church. We are not saying in any way that there is any sort of discrepancy between how men and women work in the workforce or in the secular world. Right. Well, that's what we are. We're a church. So I'm only speaking right. um, to yeah. a church. Cause I think you can hear these types of things. Like if you just read, 
first uh, Timothy two, women be quiet. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, women should not be quiet. We should listen to women as evidenced by us listening to Liz. She's in the preaching team. Sure. She, her, her opinion is valued. We're at grace where you're just saying that there's different roles. Women can still use their gifts. They just can't be the role of elder. Yeah. The, the eldership is reserved for man because he's responsible. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Adam was responsible, uh, even though Eve bit first, uh, he, God didn't call upon Eve. He called upon Adam. Yeah. Man is responsible. So, um, there's a warning in scripture to men who want to be overseers, uh, to men who want to be overseers Mm -hmm. and, um, well, but it doesn't say that it says anyone. Well, even in your verses where you said the husband of one wife, every Mm. verse after, not every, but a lot of the verses after that are, are masculine saying he must be, he must be. Mm. And so, um, that's where it's it's just a, a literary thing where they're not list they're not being in the original text it was masculine it was pointed to the masculine but like we said like in the sermon on the mount jesus says men don't seek after another man's wife and he never calls women to not seek after another woman's husband but it's implied that the woman should also right so yeah but it's just writing it's just how they wrote uh idiomatically you you, yes you can make that argument um because in other places you 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 see that but also um we talk about adultery in general and, and that applies to both yeah. men and women. And, but yeah, I don't, I see this over the library of scriptures pointed towards men, okay. um, for both church and sure. home. So you may, you and I may disagree yeah. with that and that's, that's totally okay. Um, okay. So Sorry. I, what was your, what would you say before? I didn't, that? I don't think I had a question. I do now. <laughs> um, oh. I just remembered it. So, uh, as it goes through the qualifications, it, uh, talks about must manage his own family well and that his children obey him. Um, so if we are taking the words as they're written, shouldn't all elders have children and be married? So when you read that, is that what you see? I would, I've, I've asked a few people to explain to me how it's not that. So yes, that's exactly how I see. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him and he must do so in a manner full, uh, full worthy of full respect. If anyone doesn't know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? Yeah. And so it's a, um, sorry, I'm rubbing my eyes. It's an, um, debate. I don't want to say in a fight or an argument in the church. And let me be clear to our church or the church. The church in general, sure. but, uh, and I was about to say, even yeah. in our church, there's, uh, in our church leadership, um, there's conversation around what does this mean versus that. And so when you read verse two, he must be above reproach. He must be the husband of one wife. I know you and I see that differently. Yeah. And then down, it talks about managing the household, um, talks about their keeping their children uh, submissive and, and yeah. under the leadership is really yeah. what that means. Um, and so where a description is, so one argument says, if he has children, that this is the way it should look. Uh, okay. That's one argument. The other argument, it, as you're saying is, well, then they have to have children. Sure. Um, just, but above, there must be above reproach, must be the woman, uh, the husband of one wife and so forth. So there's two he different. must manage his own family well. Yeah. His, his own family well. So, okay. And so a husband and wife yeah. is a family. I mean, and, we just, you have to explain why he doesn't have to have a family and doesn't have to have kids. I'm not saying he doesn't have to have a family. Um, I, 
because this is this is a hard one. I'm not saying he doesn't. Okay. How do you get it from the Texan? That's that's the question I want answered. I'm saying that the two arguments are what I just explained, uh-huh. that he must be above reproach, must be a husband and wife, and yeah, must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. Uh, a household is just a man and a woman, uh, a husband and wife, uh-huh. and a household is mom and dad with, with kids. And so some interpret that as whether he has kids or not, he must manage the household well. Yeah. And then if he has kids, this is what it should look like. Those are the two positions on the, on right. these. Yeah. And I know you don't see that. No. You, okay. Uh, but I'm, I'm just saying that so those you're are saying the arguments. It's a, it's a possibility that, <clears throat> that the scripture, even though it doesn't say this, it means if he were to have kids or if he were to have a f- household, then he would be this type of person. And it also doesn't say that he must have children. It says he must manage his own family well and Correct. see that his children which, obey him. Which is different than he must have children. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, those are the two arguments. I'm posing the two arguments within church leadership. Yeah. Uh-oh, we got preschoolers coming. That's fine. Door shut? Uh, yeah, we've, uh, okay, we're going to take a quick break, shut the door. We'll be right back. It'll be no time at all. We'll have passed. I'll edit all this out. Okay, door is shut. Thank you for your patience, everybody, with the children. <laughs> I don't even know if you could hear them. We could probably just could have let them walk. But anyway, uh, okay, so you are saying uh, he must manage his own family means if he were to have a family, he must manage that family well. Uh, yes, I'm saying yes. Okay, so then I, I guess the egalitarian pushback would be you don't know somebody can manage a family well or you don't know if um, they can have children who obey you unless you actually have it. Sure. The proof is in the pudding. So then a qualification, how I would interpret that is he's got to have already shown that. It's a great argument. Yeah. It's a great argument. Right. Um, and so this is the interpretation of scripture. We do our best to interpret it and look at a verse like that. And so again, some land in one direction or the other that he must be manage his own household. Well, mm-hmm. well, a husband and wife is a household. And then to your point with all dignity, keeping his children and submissive. How do you know that unless he has children? Yeah. Good point. Seems like he should have to have children. It, great so point. This yeah. is, this is a type of thing when we are off. I said that it, sometimes it's hard for me to actually say what I feel like, to you, the elder, because I am in mutual submission to you. I go to this church, I trust you, et cetera, et cetera. But it does feel like um, picking and choosing based on the convenience of the situation at hand. So we had uh, an elder who wasn't married. We just installed at least two that I know of, um, men who are married but don't have children. Mm -hmm. Um, So it does seem like we really hold tight to the women thing but then all the other qualifications we explain our way out of. Well, you could say picking and choosing. I mean, yeah. things that we, we are seeing as more clear um, versus things that are, that are hard to land on. Like this little verse right here, it's like, okay, what do you do with that? And so we do our best to interpret the scripture as an eldership team and as a leadership team to say, this is where we land with that. And if we're wrong and we, and God reveals that in our heart and, and, and not just that, but biblically, then let's change that. But, uh, I would say that, um, it's not picking and choosing it's do we're doing our best to interpret the scriptures as we're all called to do. Yeah. And so, uh, what's clear to us, 
maybe not clear to everyone, is that God has a design from the beginning of creation in Genesis uh, 1 and 2, that he created man and woman uh, to be together. They complement one another. And there's amazing unity and complementary roles where they complement each other in the home. And then we believe that 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 does, in this form, transfer over to Scripture are into the church based on the scriptures um, into uh, male only eldership. Um, but we are, as a church, we're soft complementarian. What does that mean? That means we still believe that we want to empower women in leadership mm-hmm. to use the gifts that we talked about from Ephesians 4 and uh, that we we believe that it's beneficial to hear from them from stage. Uh, when they do that, they're under the... Um, uh, not just the authority of the eldership team, but under the championing of the eldership team and the leadership team of saying, Oh my gosh, this is like Diane Lowry on mother's day. Mm-hmm. She was amazing. Like I, I, I can, I learned from Diane. She's amazing. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm rambling, but no, that's good. That's us as grace. I mean, okay. So one other thing, since this is a special episode, we can go long. Sorry, everybody just take another drive and listen to the rest of the podcast later if you're at home don't sit in your car and try to finish the podcast go inside you can pick it back up later put your airpods in like i do (laughs) yeah when you get in wash dishes and listen that's what i do um so we talk about so there's a i think it's mlk quote that says the arc of history is long but it points toward justice so there are things in the bible that for example This is another egalitarian argument that Paul is talking to Ephesus about women in that specific church, but the arc of history goes towards women leaders because of the other women leaders listed in the Bible. There's another arc in the Bible around slavery, which Paul instructs the church how to deal with their slaves and never, not once ever says don't have slaves. But we as a society have realized that slavery in all forms, even the one that was in the Bible, is wrong, even though it's different. It was still wrong back then. Paul didn't denounce it because it was the culture. I don't know why he didn't denounce it. So you could then also say, since it was a male-dominated chauvinistic culture of the day, Paul is creating the Ephesus church to fit in that day, and then the arc of history points towards justice and justice would say women can be elders just like we shouldn't have slavery yeah when i hear arc of history i hear trajectory hermeneutics yeah i hear so that there's a but there's the slavery, a warning but there's there. an arc in slavery that it doesn't denounce so, slavery in the bible yet we as grace church denounce slavery yeah. we can easily say that on uh, uh, 100%, there also is a um, cultural implication to the slavery that w- that is mentioned in the New Testament of bond servants and debt, debt slavery, paying off a debt, mm-hmm. um, which was largely which, the case. Which we would also say is wrong. Which we would, ob- yeah. yeah, we would yeah. say is wrong. And Paul uh, didn't I, say I, it was wrong. That's I'm what just I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul never said it was wrong, yet we, sorry, I'm not by the mic. Paul right. never said it was wrong, yet extra biblically we as christians have decided just because it makes sense that slavery is wrong and so we abolish slavery well i would say no it's not extra biblical to look at um the image image bearers of humanity and saying mm-hmm. it's wrong yeah um again you go back to uh, us as a creation created in god's image and there's dignity and humanity there sure there are things that i think are sacred to our humanity our sex our sexuality mm-hmm. um our race 
uh, all those things are sacred and be upheld by the church and not to mention the fact that when we talk about women um christianity uh and jesus and the disciples the apostles really um honored women and empowered women to utilize their spiritual gifts in the ch- mm-hmm. within the church and we, I'm, i mean you're going on slavery but i'm i'm referencing the yeah. as image bearers um the bible really speaks to uplifting uh those who cannot be uplifted and so, um, so yeah, sorry, what was your question? Well, my question is, why did we... Okay, so your answer to the question of why do we denounce slavery, but we don't believe that now that we're not in a male-dominated culture, that we, we should um, also allow women to be leaders now. We do believe that women are leaders. Liz is a leader. But not elders because Correct. of the office. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so um, that is... so. It's, it's just funny. We hear that women can't be elders and we think women can't be leaders in the church. No, that's not what we said. Uh, absolutely mm-hmm. not. I, I love seeing the women leaders in our church. We all do. Yeah. Um, and we want to empower, empower them and equip them and encourage them just like we do the male leaders. Um, I love Sal. Sal is our worship director and he's a leader in our church. Um, he's not an overseer. Um, but he's a leader in our church and we want to empower and equip him the same way. Um, yeah. I'm no better. Um, I'm in a different role. I'm in a different office and I am have a heavier responsibility because of that office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that does not mean we say women can't be leaders in the church. Right. And I think that wraps it up. Like every time I have this, do this podcast, I'm, I listen to it later. I'm like, man, why didn't I say this? I've, there's yeah. this example in this verse and we could go on for hours. I don't listen to myself. I can't. Oh my gosh. I, like, <laughs> I hate listening to my voice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we could go on for hours about the verses and back and forth. At the end of the day, we're a soft complementarian church and we have Liz sitting here. So I would like to close out the uh, podcast hearing from Liz about just that, that you are a leader in the church, but you're not an elder and that's completely fine with you. Do you mm-hmm. feel like you are heard and a leader, et cetera, et cetera? Absolutely. I mean, um, I feel like I've been given more opportunity to, to come into the conversation and voice than even I was expecting to when I, when I took the job. <laughs> I'm pretty sure in a preaching team meeting one time when Josh was sharing a sermon, I straight up told him I didn't buy his sermon and I didn't think it was textual. And he said, yeah, you might be right. <laughs> and so, um, but my, I only bring that up to say I didn't know any better. I just, I've been given a platform um, to speak, and so I feel like I have um, a voice for sure. However, I don't want the position they have. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it is it is a huge responsibility, um, and I believe that, it, that God did design it to be um, godly men doing it, and I appreciate that. Um, I also think that a lot of times we forget the mutual submission part of the text that's always saying that while men are supposed to be over, I think people get really, you know, automatically defensive when they hear, hear a term like overseer has a lot of negative connotation. But the way that that it is described in the Bible is um, completely turned upside down. Mm-hmm. In Jesus's world, an overseer becomes the servant. And so I do see that in our church. I see the men in leadership, both the 
pastor elders as well as uh, the new elders who are coming on board um, absolutely serve the church. And I, I feel like we all need to remember <laughs> that, that that overseer, first and foremost, lays their life down for the church and is a servant to everyone else. And I do feel that way being on staff. Yeah, we glamorize certain roles Mm -hmm. and we think it's a glamorous thing. Mm -hmm. One thing that was clear when we brought on the new elders is like, this isn't a promotion. You just got demoted. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and they're starting to see that now when they get my emails about um, approving our financials and they just got their first financial email, you know, things like that. It's like, it's not like it's fun, like this big fun party, like yeah. male like men's group. Um, it is work, man, and, mm-hmm. and it's a huge responsibility. And it's just funny in a church we think, you know, we look at a pastor up preaching. I'm going to be preaching this next Sunday. And, I mean, there's a lot of stress that goes into that, a lot of study that goes into that, a lot of prayer. It is, uh, I want to say this, it is both a blessing and a burden, Mm-hmm. Uh, to be in some of these roles, it's not glamorous. Yeah, there's nothing glamorous about it. Um, and so, I know our culture views it differently. We may feel differently, um, but being in in the role for uh, quite a while now as a pastor at Grace, it's um, it is a, a servant humbling thing yeah. um, to be in it. So I just kind of wanted to say that of like uh, really look at what the role means and the weight and responsibility of what it means um, and how we believe it is reserved for men but it's the responsibility and that burden is pretty heavy yeah and maybe I would add a closing thought that uh, I, I feel like there's a lot of women on our staff and I feel like we all have been given the voice but I also think at the end of the day we um, are willing to we trust them that the male pastor elders are going to make the final decision. And we have, we are good with that. (laughs) Like we see their, their life of prayer. We see their submission to the church. And at the end of the day, we believe that they're going to make a decision that's godly. And I think we're, we're, I second that. Yeah. (laughs) I've definitely, I still hold the egalitarian view, but as I've said before, I'm at this church and I see the servanthood and the laying down of their lives of the male elders here. No problem with it. I think it's awesome. I love this church and we're going to keep going on. Amen. So with that, this is the last we're ever going to talk about this issue. (laughs) We'll see. see. Okay. So we've had three episodes on it. Not three, three. Well, because um, Josh did one after Diane preached on mother's day. Oh yeah. yeah, She couldn't be on the pod. So we talked about it then talked about it when we went through it in acts. Well, we kind of added it because we went, through, say, yeah. we went through deacons in Acts, mm-hmm. and then the very next week, he pulled in First Timothy. Yeah. Well, we kept getting questions on the topic, we did. too. Yeah. So. And then we kept getting questions. And so the reason we did this episode, one, Josh is gone, but two, the conversation is going on. So correct me if I'm wrong, I would say continue the conversation in your house church. Yeah, and there's resources we can send you um, mm-hmm. on both sides, by the way. I'll send you some too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm not yeah. saying that as like, hey, I have complementarian argument resources for you. There's both complementary and egalitarian that we as a team have studied and read and, and watched. There's sermons on it. That's great. Um, and so if you want some of that, we can send a, send it to you on both sides. Cool. Yeah. Email us uh, podcast at gracesd.com if you want any of that. Or if you just have any questions at all, uh, Scott, give us a quick tease about the next three weeks at grace. Yeah. Um, it's going to be special in my opinion because of the content. 
Um, it is a mini series called Live No Lies, which is based off of the title of a book called Live No Lies by Pastor John Mark Comer. Um, and it's about spiritual warfare and the three enemies of the soul. Um, and uh, so the three enemies are the devil, the world, and the flesh. And so I'm going to be preaching on those three areas in the three weeks mm-hmm. and, um, and how we can um, kind of combat those enemies of the soul. I'm excited for that. Get your butts to church is what he said. It's going to be good. good. Also, buy the book if you want to follow along. Uh, As I said, a lot of um, the sermon is going to be based on the content of those chapters. And so buy the book. It's it's pretty inexpensive on Amazon. Live No Lies by John Mark Comer. There's also an audio book where John Mark Comer is actually teaching, preaching it. Oh, is it just reading it or is it... I was talking to another staff member who was re- who was listening, and okay. she said it was amazing, and you oh. could actually hear it straight from him. I don't think I've heard it. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> I think it's on book. Amazon. Yeah. So that's coming up next week. Um, yeah. So buy the book if you guys want. Um, thank you guys for listening. Um, as I mentioned, email us if you have questions. Look on Instagram every Sunday. We have a way to ask questions there, and we'll just keep talking about holy stuff. Yeah. We love you, church. Yeah. <laughs> All right. See you guys.